0: In the past few Mishnayas, we've been discussing a number of different examples of people who are exempt from saying Kriyash Shema. This Mishnah is going to cite an example where the person is forbidden to say Kriyash Shema. Now, why would that be? So, Ezra HaSefer, who was one of the last VM, one of the last prophets, he instituted 10 enactments for the Jewish people. And one of those enactments was that somebody who is a Baal Keri, a Baal is somebody who is Tomei, he is impure as a result of certain substances exiting his body. So Ezra instituted that even though usually somebody who is Tomei, he can still learn Torah, he can still daven. However, Ezra instituted that a Baal specifically is not allowed to speak words of Torah. And the reason for this is nothing to do with the fact that he's Tomei. Rather, it's in order to prevent Tamidi Chachomim, who spend a lot of their time learning Torah, it's to discourage them from having very frequent marital relations with their wife. Because when one has relations with his wife, he also becomes tamei as a bal keri, and so if we make him go to the mikveh in order to make himself Toha once more every time he has relations with his wife, so that he can learn afterwards, that's much more of a bother. So he'll think twice before having relations very frequently with his wife, and this way he'll be free to learn more and we won't have marital relations too frequently. Halachically, nowadays a bal keri is allowed to learn Torah. But our Mishnah is talking about a time where Ezra's enactment did apply, and therefore it was forbidden to learn Torah whilst one was a Baal Or at least it was forbidden to say words of Torah. But one was allowed to think words of Torah even while he was a Baal So the Mishnah tells us, Baal Maharher Baliboy. beliboi. A Baal must think the words of Shema in his heart, meaning he's not allowed to say the words of Shema because that's Torah. But since this is a Mitzvah the He has to think the words one by one and say Shema as usual, but in his head. There's an argument in the Gemara about whether one fulfills their obligation just by thinking of Shema, or whether it's just so that he's not doing nothing while everyone else is saying Shema and accepting Hashem and his mitzvahs upon them. So he should join them, at least in thought. However, we're going to understand this to mean that one doesn't have to say the brachas of Shema even in thought, neither the brachas before Shema nor after Shema. However, according to way we're going to understand, one is allowed to think the brachas of Shema in his head. But since they are only Midyabonon, and like Kriyas Shema, Ibal Keri does not have to think of them in his head. Continues the Mishnah, Ma'alam Mosin, and on food, the brachas which one makes on food are going to follow the same pattern as with Kriyas Shema. Whatever is mida'araisa, one needs to think of the words of those brachas in his head, and whatever is mida'arbonon, he doesn't need to, and therefore he does need to make the bracha in his head after eating food, namely berkas chain, because that is mida'araisa, but in M'vorek he does not need to make a bracha before the food, because a bracha is shaynar, which you make before the food is only mida'arbonon, and therefore you don't need to think of that if you are a balkeri. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda argues and he holds, ula a Baal may and therefore must make a bracha verbally, both before and after Shema and food, and all the more so he must say Shema itself with the words, not just thinking. The reason for Rabbi Yehuda being that according to him, the whole enactment of Ezra was only concerning words of Torah, which went in, into all the details, complicated halachas, not just uttering the words like Kriyas Shema. Not just saying a simple formula of the bracha, which doesn't require much thought or complication. And therefore, when it comes to the brachas, which we discussed in our Mishnah, as well as Kriyashma itself, according to the Ezra's enactment does not apply, and therefore Baal Keri must say those brachas as well as Kriyashma. Mishnah He, as we saw in the previous Mishnah, Ezra's decree was that a Baal Keri can neither say words of Torah nor brachas or any prayer. Now what happens if somebody who was a Baal keri, he who was standing in the middle of davening Shmona Esrei, Vinizka and all of a sudden while he's davening Shmona Esrei, he realizes and remembers that he was a Baal So he shouldn't have really started davening. But now that he's in the middle of Shmona Esrei, what should he do? Says the Mishnah on he should not stop Shmona Esrei straight away. Al rather, he should shorten his Shmona Esrei. So he should still say all of the brachas, but only the beginnings and the ends of each bracha. So, for example, and then skip straight to and then for the next. So, you can finish the whole verbally since he started. Now, the mission implies that had you started Shema verbally and then you realize you were a Balkari, you can't continue saying it. You should just think it. And the reason for this is because, as we've seen already, Shwana Esrei is so vital and necessary for everybody, that everybody requires Shwana Esray because everyone needs Hashem's mercy. And therefore, even though you shouldn't ideally do this, if you have started, we will allow you to complete your Shwana Esrei in order to ask Hashem for mercy. Now, the halacha is that in order to say words of Torah or tefillah, two conditions need to be fulfilled. Number one, his male organ must be covered, so that he can't see it. And number two, Midyar even if it's covered, there has to be something separating the male organ and his upper body. So, for example, a belt, that's a separation between the male organ and the upper body. Says the Mishnah, Yorad litbol. If the Balkari went down into the Mikvah to immerse himself, in order to become Toher, so that he could say, And it's before sunrise. So the Mishnah tells us, If he's able, he's got enough time to come out of the Mikvah, cover himself with clothes, and to say Shema, actually, Tonitza before the sun rises, before it reaches the time of Neitz, then Yalav kasav yekra Then he should come out the Mikvah, cover himself, and say Shema. That's obvious. Vimlav. But if there isn't enough time, I mean, if he does all of that, then Nates would have passed. And he will have to read Shema after sunrise. Yiskasa yekra he should cover himself with water. The water of the Mikvah. He should use that as a covering, and he should read Kriyash Shema whilst he's in the Mikvah. Now if you'll recall, in the first parak we had a Machleikas between Rebilezer and the Chachomim, when the latest time to say Kriyashma in the morning is. According to Rebilezer, sunrise is the latest time. But according to the Chachomim, you have until much later, until three hours of the day have passed. But this Mishnah even goes according to the Chachomim. Because even according to the Chachomim, those who are very particular about mitzvahs, and fulfilling them in the best way possible, say Kriyash Shema before sunrise. And therefore you see an amazing thing over here. Even though you're allowed to read Kriyashma after sunrise, you should still rather say Kriyashma whilst you're in the mikveh, not dressed properly, and you won't be able to say Shema yesterday right after saying Kriyashma, which is considered very, very important. Even then, it's better to say Kriyashma before sunrise, just before Nates. So you see how significant and how important it is, and what an unbelievable mitzvah it is, to have Kriyashma before Nates. Now, the Quran explains that the water of the mikveh cannot be clear water. Because if it's clear water, then there's nothing really separating between your upper body and your male organ. So this would only apply if it's a bit muddy, it's a bit of a murky water, and then it's considered a significant enough separation, so you'd be able to say Kriyashma whilst in the mikvah. The mission now tells us an exception. One cannot use the mikvah to cover himself if the water is very smelly, or if it's urine, or if it's some sort of foul-smelling water. Similarly, you can't do this in the water used for soaking flax, because again, it emits a very bad smell, and it's forbidden to say words of Torah and davening whilst you can smell this. Now, the following phrase of the Mishnah only refers to urine. If there is urine somewhere, in order to use it to cover yourself, you need to put water into it. If you add water to the urine, as long as it doesn't smell, you can use that that liquid to cover yourself and say, or other words of Torah and davening. And finally asks the mission of a Chami Yachik Mehememin How far does one need to distance themselves? From urine, which water was not added to? Or from excrement, which again has a very foul smell? The answer is Arba Amos, for Amos, as long as you cannot smell it from that far. If you can still smell it for Amos away, then you'd have to distance yourself even further until you can no longer smell it. Mission of, as we explained, the reason why a Baal Keri cannot learn Torah or daven is nothing to do with his tumor status. Rather, there are other reasons, like he shouldn't have marital relations so frequently, but it's nothing to do with the fact that he is Tomei. And therefore, what happens if you have somebody who has a higher level of tumor, or his period of tumor lasts longer than for a Balkeri, but then he also becomes a Balkeri. So, for example, Zov Shiro Keri, a Zov who is somebody who is Tomei for seven days, a very severe type of tumor, a high-level tumor, and he sees these substances exiting his body, and thereby he becomes a balkeri. So now, going to the Mikvah now in the middle of the zov's seven-day period of tumah, he's not going to get rid of any tumah because he'll remain Tome, as a zov, which is a higher level of tumah than a Balkhari. Nevertheless, in order to learn Torah and to daven, he still needs to go to the mikveh again. Why? Because the reason why Ezra instituted that a balkary has to go to the Mikvah before learning is nothing to do with tumah and therefore the reason still applies, so he would need to go to the mikvah before learning or davening. Next example, the nido shepolto shichvas zera. A nido who is a woman who is tomei for seven days, once again a very high level of tomei, and substances exit her body, so she becomes tomei like a balkeri, the same level of tomei. So before she davens, remember we said earlier on in the Maserta, the women are obligated to pray, so before she does pray, she would also need to go to the mikveh because again, the purpose of going to the mikveh, according to Ezra's decree, is not to do with the Tumah, rather there are different reasons. Alright, and third example, the hamishameshes, Meshes, and a woman who has relations with her husband, Cheruas or Nidah, who then becomes Tomeh as a Nidah, so this time having marital relations makes her Tomeh like a carry and only afterwards, the more severe Tumah comes along. So here the question is, whether the more severe Tumah can sort of remove the Balkari status, whereas in the first two quest- two cases of the Mishnah the question was wh- whether really he becomes a Balkari at all, or whether she becomes Tomei as a Balkari at all, because they already had the more severe tumor to begin with. So the Mishnah tells us in all these cases, Tzarech and Tavila, they do still require immersion in the Mikvah. Once again, because the point of the immersion in the Mikvah is not because of Tummah and Tahara, so it doesn't matter if you've got a more severe Tummah attached to you. For Rabbi a however, a Be'ehudah exempts you from going to the Mikvah. He says you can learn Torah, say Shema, Davan, even without going to the Mikvah, because Ezra's decree was only if by going to the mikveh you would totally purify yourself. But if going to the Mikvah doesn't affect your Tumah status at all, then we're not going to make you go to the Mikvah in order to allow you to learn, so the more severe Tumah totally removes the Balkari status of Tumah, and he or she would be able to go and learn Torah and Davin and Say Kriyashma even without going to the Mikvah. do we now move on really to the next section of Maseches Ovis, the first three Parochim discuss Kriyash Shema and its Brachus, and Perik Dalad and Perek He discuss Shemon Esrei. Now, according to most Rishonim, the mitzvah of Shemon Esrei is totally Madrabbonon. Both of the fact that you need to daven Shemon Esrei and what exactly you need to say is all Madrabbonon. However, the Rambam holds there's a mitzvah mid the to daven every day, and Achachom just said that how do you fulfill that mitzvah? By saying these words of Shemon Esrei. And at specific times, just like there's specific times mid the Uraizah to say Kriyash Shema. The Chachalim decreed that there'd be specific times to say Shemona Esrei. Now these times are modelled on the times that various korbanas were brought in the Bez HaMikdosh. Because after all, now that we don't have korbanas anymore, the thing which replaces it, the service of Hashem, and the connection to Hashem which replaces it, is tefillah, prayer. So the mission tells us, tefillah is the tefillah of the morning, shachres, that Shemona has to be said at Chatzois by midday, according to the Tanakhama, but according to Yehudah, Adab HaShois, you've only got until four hours of the day, not six hours like the Tanakama, but only four hours. And the reason for this is because according to the Tanakama, the carbon tomid which was brought every morning had to be brought by midday, whereas according to Yehudah, the carbon tomid had to be brought by four hours. So therefore, the same applies for Shachris. Now, before we move on, we need to note we've mentioned it once already in the Masechta, but it's very important to realise that the hours we are talking about are not sixty-minute hours. They're periodical hours, what is known as sho'is zmaniyos. Now, how long is a periodical hour? So the way to calculate it is that you take the hours of daylight, so let's say it's light only for nine hours of the day, you divide nine by twelve, which would be 45 minutes. So for that day, an hour is considered 45 minutes. So four hours into the day, for example, would be 180 minutes. That's what we mean by sho'is zmaniyos. Next, filas The Shemunah Esrei of the afternoon, the Mincha. So the earliest time to say this, ideally, is from nine and a half hours into the day. That's when the afternoon carbon Tomid was typically brought. The truth is, there was one day of the year, Erev Pesach, where they were very busy, because there were so many carbonists being brought as the carbon Pesach, that on that day they brought the carbon Tomid of the afternoon earlier on, already from six and a half hours into the day. And therefore that is sort of considered part of the Mincha time as well, And so one is able to daven already from six and a half hours into the day, even though ideally he should daven only after nine and a half hours into the day. Now just to introduce some terms, the period between nine and a half hours of the day until evening, that is what is known as Mincha Katana, which literally means small Mincha. It means there's a smaller bracket of time to daven Mincha there. Whereas the earlier time from six and a half hours onwards, that is what is known as Mincha Gedayla and it's generally more preferable to daven past mincha katana, i.e. past nine and a half hours into the day. So according to the Tanakama, the last time to daven mincha is at sunset, but Rabbi Rabbi Yehuda says at plaga mincha, it's until halfway through the mincha period, meaning half of mincha katana. So if the period of mincha katana is from nine and a half hours into the day until twelve hours into the day, it's a period of two and a half hours, and that means plaga mincha is at the halfway point. So Plaga mincha is an hour and a quarter before sunset, which is twer- which is ten and three quarter hours into the day. So contrabiyudah that is the latest time to daven mincha, and again the reason for both the tanakama and ribiyudah is because they hold that the korban Tomid had to be brought by then. Next, filasol erev the davening this when it's of the evening, in lokeva it has no fixed time, meaning that you can daven Mariv all night. The gemara explains this phrase to mean that it doesn't have a fixed obligation. Meaning it's an optional, it's an optional tefillah. However, the Rambam says that since everybody among the Jewish people accepted upon themselves to daven every day, ma'ariv, it's now become an obligation. Okay, and finally, Vishal Musafin, the Shmona Estate of Musaf, when it applies, it applies kolayom all day. You've also got until evening to daven Musaf, just like the koram Musaf could be brought all day, according to the Hanakan that Barabi Huda says, Ad so you've only got until seven hours into the day, but past then, since the Karim Musaf wasn't typically brought after seven hours, so that there was enough time to bring the afternoon Karim Tomid and the Karim Mincha of the afternoon, so too the Shwana Eswe of Musaf should not be said past seven hours into the day.